Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8 and uh, meet me at verse 1, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Once again, want to welcome you in the building today. Want to welcome everybody live streaming with us, watching online. Thank you for joining us. Those of you watching the replay, thank you for joining us. Those of you that are listening to the Apple podcast, the Spotify, the Google, all available voices, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been talking about faith, and I've been inspired by this passage of Scripture. So I want to read this passage of Scripture, and let's dig and dive deep into the Word of God. Are you hungry this morning? All right. So verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Verse 4, and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Verse five. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, He marveled and said to those who followed, or surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I want to skip down, if you don't mind, to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. We've been talking about faith over the last several weeks on Sundays and on Wednesdays, and we've been talking about how faith is not a movement, how faith is not a denomination. Faith is what pleases God. It takes faith to please God, and it's impossible to please him without faith. So we must understand that faith is a priority. Faith is an anchor of our salvation. Faith is a key in the invisible realm Faith is what we access God's grace by. And so faith means that we're going to be fully persuaded, fully convinced that what God has said, he will do. And so when we have faith in God, we are literally, like we sung this morning, we're literally trusting God to do what he said that he would do. And so faith in God is what pleases God. And how many of you want to please God? I mean, how many of you want God to have pleasure in you, to take delight in you, 
to love hanging around you, to love providing for you, to generously give of his substance to you. It's going to require faith in order to access all of God's grace that has been provided by us or for us by Christ Jesus. And so faith is so very important. The Lord is having us talk about faith. So my assignment today in regards to faith is to talk about this passage of scripture, which I believe is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And if you listen to me long enough, I think all of it, I think I say that every week, all of it is my favorite passage of scripture. But we see here that Jesus is hanging around with his disciples. And these guys are with him and a leper comes up to him. Now understand, leprosy is a uh, damning disease, meaning that it's a disease that people don't want to be around. It is an outcast disease. It is a condemned disease. People feel like this disease is contagious. A lot of people, especially in Bible times, felt like leprosy was a curse by God. If you had leprosy, God has cursed you. And so lepers were to hang around in uh, communities with other lepers so that they weren't around people that were healthy because they didn't want to transfer leprosy to them. Lepers were never touched. Lepers were never hugged. Lepers were never uh, cuddled. Lepers were never hailed because of the fear that you would get leprosy if you were with them. And so this particular leper had the audacity to walk up to Jesus and his disciples. This is illegal, by the way. This is wrong, by the way. This is condemned, by the way. But he approaches Jesus and he says something very interesting to Jesus. He says to Jesus, I know that you are able. But my question is, if are you willing to heal me. So he's not questioning Jesus's ability or his capacity to release healing into his body. That's not his question. His question is, are you willing to heal me? And so in John chapter one, we know that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14 of that same chapter, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, meaning Jesus is the word of God. So this leper approached Jesus, who is the word of God, and he asked the word of God, is it your will to heal me? This is the question he asked the word of God. And the word of God responded. Jesus himself responded. Jesus is the visible display of the invisible God. Jesus is God. So this leper asked God, is it your will to heal me? Now, anytime we talk about the will of God, I believe the will of God cannot be exhausted. I believe the will of God is multifaceted. I believe the will of God is very unique. It's deep. It's it has a lot of. Um, <laughs> gears and switches involved in the will of God. It's not simply just a flat one line sort of answer when you are talking about the will of God. And in my very limited experience, <laughs> in, in my very limited knowledge, I have found that there are at least three wills of God. Okay, there could be more. 
right. I have found that there are at least three. Uh, the first one we see is the sovereign will of God. How many of you ever heard of the sovereign will of God? In the sovereign will of God, this is what people say the sovereign will of God is, but it's not actually true. People say the sovereign will of God is God is controlling everything. And everything is in the control of God. And people say, you know, your, your, your dog got ran over by the six, the 18 wheel truck. And they said that was just part of the sovereign will of God. You know, there's nothing you could do about it. That was God's sovereign will for that to happen. Well, I don't believe that to be the case. People will say in the sovereign will of God that all these people that are starving and are hungry and other countries that are poor and are dying. And we know in uh, Africa, there's a lot of slaughter going on right now, that all of this is part of the sovereign will of God. Well, if I'm an unbeliever and I listen to that teaching, then I'm going to become an atheist. Because if God is willing all of that, and that is his plan, and that is his purpose, then I don't want to have nothing to do with that God. I spoke with the lady one particular time, and her, I went to high school with her, and she reached out to me, a messenger, several years ago, and her and Zavin, my my 12-year-old now, are the were, were the same age, and she reached out to me around nine months. Her Her baby died. And was it SIDS where you... Where you don't wait. Yeah, the baby died of, of SIDS. And she reached out to me and people were telling her that that was the sovereign will of God. And what she was saying was, that's God's sovereign will. Then I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to spend eternity with the God that his sovereign will is to kill my baby. Well, I begin to talk to her and minister by the grace of God. And, and there is a devil. Y'all know that, right? There is an enemy. Let's not ignore that there's an enemy. The enemy brings sickness and disease and, and he steals, he kills, and he destroys. There is a devil out there. And I begin to talk to her about the devil and begin to talk to her about how the enemy has come in somehow. And she began to listen. And she began to open up her heart. And now she, her and her husband are still married, and they've got two additional children, praise God. They're going to church, serving the Lord. They're excited about God. Because if we preach this message that it's God's sovereign will to kill your baby, then why would we want to serve God? I don't want to. I don't want to. There was a, a particular man that I knew he lived in our neighborhood, young man, very, very young man. He had just gotten married and he went to a routine checkup. And in the routine checkup, he found out he had cancer. He went to his pastor and told his pastor about it. Pastor, will you pray? Pastor said, I'll pray, but this is God's sovereign will for you to have cancer. And so he began to listen to what his pastor said. I'm trying to talk to him, you know, when he come over the house and tell him, God's perfect will. We'll get into that in a second. But I'm trying to talk to him and tell him about God's perfect will. He said, no, my pastor said that this was God's sovereign will, that I'm to have this cancer. And guess what happened? He died. And on his deathbed, he was fighting to stay alive. And the ministers around were saying, don't fight. Let God's will be done in your life. This is, it's so sad. God's sovereign will is essentially 
God is in control of the things that are out of your control. All right. So when we hear the sovereign will, it's not God's controlling everything, because if God was controlling everything, then whatever you ate last night. God controlled that. Whatever you said last night, I don't know where you were, but God controlled that. Whatever you were doing this morning, God was controlling all of it, and that's not true. You have a choice as to what you put in your mouth. Don't get quiet on me now. I'm preaching truth. You have a choice of what comes out of your mouth. God's not controlling all of that. He's not in control of everything all the time. But he is in control of things that are out of our control. That's when you got to trust and depend on God. And, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, I just sense it in my heart. I need to say it because we're going to slowly but steadily, we're getting into election season and you do your part and vote. But the outcome is in the hands of the Lord. Are you listening to me? And I'm going to trust God because that is out of my control. And I'm going to trust God that God knows what he's doing where that is concerned. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I said shout amen. amen. Now, the perfect will of God is found in the word of God. You can find God's perfect will in his word. Matter of fact, this is a wheel. This whole book is a wheel. It's God's desire. It's God's plan for our life. God has laid out his plan, what he wants to happen. Uh, a will is once you... Depart this earth, you write out a will of what you want to happen to your assets and your, your monies and your family and how you want to divide it. This is what God did with this. He gave us his perfect will. And although things happen on this earth, God doesn't approve of everything that happens on the earth. I need to say that God doesn't approve of everything that happens on the earth. But in his perfect will, this is what he wants done in your life and let's jump to the permissive will of God, which I found to be the third will of God. The permissive will is simply God is going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. That is his permissive will. If you want to marry that person and everybody you trust says don't marry them, guess what God's going to do? He's going to allow you to marry them. If you want to take that job and everybody said, don't take that job. God's going to allow you to do that. He's going to allow you to take that. That's in his permissive will. Doesn't mean he approves of it, but he allows it. But in the permissive will, what you do affects other people. And this is why we pray God's perfect will over our life. Because when we pray God's perfect will and we release our faith to access his perfect will, someone's permissive will cannot affect What's going on in my life? Are you listening to me today? See, we just read Psalms 91. And if somebody want to act crazy this week and not drive with their hands on the steering wheel and you in traffic, Psalms 91 says we're going to be protected. Come on, somebody. Shout, I'm protected. Because I'm praying and believing God's perfect will to override that idiot's, I mean, that person's permissive will. Come on, somebody. Say, I'm I'm protected. So the perfect will of God is what this leper was asking for. Lord, I know you're able to heal me, but is it your will? He's saying, is it your perfect will? And Jesus doesn't hesitate. Jesus says, I will. He says, I am willing. 
So he asked the word, word, is it your will for me to be healed? And the word says, I am willing. Somebody say, I am willing. That's what the word said. Not one time do we find in the word where someone came to Jesus for healing and Jesus said, I am not willing. Not one verse in scripture. This is a nameless man. He came to Jesus. I'm glad he's nameless because that tells me that I can identify with him. And if I come to Jesus, just like he came to Jesus, says, I know you're able, but are you willing? I know he's going to say I'm willing. Because if he said it to this man, and this is found in all four Gospels, by the way. So if it's found more than one time, this is probably pretty important for once and for all. And there are still people today praying, Lord, will you heal me if it be thy will? Well, he told you my will is I am willing. Somebody say I am willing. That's the, that's the will. I, I, Zai, one particular time we were went to a vacation Bible school and I took her to a vacation Bible school and she said that one of the kids there had hurt his leg and they said let's pray for the kid at this and they all prayed if it be your will Lord heal this kid's leg well the kid you know he left he left the altar limping right because we got to know the will of God because faith begins where the will of God is known when we know the will of God Now we can have faith to access that grace. Now we can release our faith to obtain God's promises. Now we can operate in faith knowing that God wants this to happen and I'm going to agree with God that this takes place in my life. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And I would rather serve a God who was willing yet unable, then to serve a God who was able, yet unwilling. Would y'all agree with me? I would rather serve a God that says, man, I'm willing to do it. I'd rather have friends that say, I'm willing to help you, but they're unable than to have friends that say, I'm able to help you, but I'm unwilling to. And so God says, I'm willing. Jesus says, I am willing. And then Jesus touched him. He says, I'm willing He touched him. You're not supposed to touch a leper. He touched him. And the power of the touch of Jesus caused the leprosy to depart instantly. Hallelujah. When you are praying for people, this is what you need to say. When someone says, will you pray for me? Touch them. And in your in your heart of hearts, you don't have to say this to them, but in your heart of hearts, say my touch is stronger than your problem. My touch is stronger than that sickness. My touch, because God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And if God can work unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, he can work unusual miracles by the hands of Devon, by the hands of Adrian, by the hands of Paul, by the hands of Kara. He can work unusual miracles with these hands because he's willing. And if he's willing, then our faith will increase. And we can access what happened to my neighbor friend when he found out that God wasn't willing. He didn't have faith. He couldn't have faith to access God's grace because his pastor told him God was not willing to heal. And when you hear that, how do you release faith when someone tells you God doesn't want that to happen to you? Well, Jesus touched a man. 
The man was healed. Jesus tells him, don't tell nobody because he didn't want a riot to take place and everybody to swarm him. He was on a mission. He had things to accomplish. He said, don't tell anybody. How many of you know if you get healed, you're going to tell somebody? Praise God. I'm going to tell somebody. Glory be to God. When God does good things in my life, I tell people all about it. I want people to not look at me, but to look at how good God has been to me. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. So then he begins to go home. He lives in Capernaum, by the way. Jesus lives in Capernaum. His ministry is based out of Capernaum. And he, he goes to Capernaum. And when he goes home, a centurion, which is a Roman officer who has a hundred, at least a hundred soldiers under his tutelage, under his authority, he approaches Jesus. And I think this is interesting that the centurion approaches Jesus because when he approaches him, he says to him, my servant is dreadfully tormented. That means he's paralyzed. That means he can't move. That means he's disabled. That means he's in a lot of pain. And this centurion cares about one of his servants. He says, Jesus, my servant is in a lot of pain. He can't move. He's paralyzed. He's disabled. And I love Jesus' response. His response to him was simply, I will come and heal him. I love Jesus. I mean, he's so willing. He's so ready. The only thing that is lacking is faith. I'm willing. I will. I want to. I really want to. What's required now to access those words is faith. Faith. Do you believe him? If there's someone that, that, that you trust, someone that, you know, has good credit with you, and they say something, and if they got good standing and good credit with you, you just quickly believe them, don't you? I just believe them. That's going to happen. I believe them. Uh, this past, many of you know, it was about a week ago or so, I had the opportunity to fly private. And how many of you know I've been talking about flying private, praise God? Fl flew in a private plane. I got to tell you this. This is going to boost someone's faith. In 2020, there was a particular... I like planes. I just like planes. I like, I like the aspect of flying. If I wasn't preaching, I would be a pilot, by the way. And so I like the, I like the whole idea of, of flying. And so there was this particular plane called a King Air that I was told can seat my whole family, right? And you can put as much luggage in it as you want. I thought, man, I had a picture in my phone of a King Air, right? And I had never seen one in person, really. It just had it in my phone. Like, man, we're, my family and I are going to fly in a King Air. May, we might even get a King Air. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I don't have the money today, but it's coming. Praise God. Well, I'll talk to you about that in a second. And so I get a friend. He says, hey, I need to go to Raleigh. And he says, we're flying to Raleigh. And uh, uh, next thing I know, we're going on a private jet. Praise God. I didn't realize this until I came home. We flew on a King Air. And that was what I picture I had in my phone oh, three years ago. I thought, oh my gosh, I looked at the picture. I'm like, that's the exact same plane. Hallelujah. Well, 
here, what, what am I saying? What am I saying? I'm saying is when you begin, I don't know why I told y'all that. Somebody tell me why I tell y'all that. Huh? Y'all don't know? Y'all not tracking with me? Why did I tell this story? Huh? Yeah, my confession, but there was a reason why I was telling this story. Okay, and so I don't remember why, but it's good. You need to hear it. And so, so as, as we go, as, as, as we get on and, um, and, and we come back and the Lord reminded me, he said, that's, that's the plane that you have in your phone. And I look, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the exact same plane. Right, praise God. And so as we flew and, and, and get on, there was something that was just birthed inside of me that God is saying, I am willing. Those dreams, this is where I was going, those dreams, those desires, those that vision. Psalms 37, 4 says God will give you the desires. All you have to do is believe that. He'll give them to you. Those dreams, those, those visions that he gives you, he wants you to release your faith to access his grace so that he can bring it to pass. Now, I flew in this airplane, had a good time in Raleigh, came back the next day in the same airplane. Guess how much money I spent? How much money did I spend? Nothing. It didn't cost me nothing. God can get it to you. If you understand his willingness and you release your faith to access his grace, what you're believing him for is possible because of your faith in God. And so this trip probably cost, you know, it was, I don't know, eight, ten thousand dollars cost me nothing. Right? I stayed in a hotel, cost me nothing. Went did this and that, cost me nothing. Why? God's grace. Oh, now I remember I was telling a story. So the man, thank you, Jesus. This is where I'll tell the story. The man said, come with me on the trip. I knew his credit, right? I knew his word. I didn't go thinking, well, am I going to get stranded somewhere? Or do I, am I going to get lost? I just trusted him because he's, his word has been good with me. I just believed him. I just trusted him. So when he said we're flying on a private airplane, I trusted him. When he said, hey, we're staying at this hotel, I didn't say, well, how much, is, how much do I got to pay? I just trusted him. Are you listening to me? I, because his credit is good with me. It's the same way with God. If he says it, trust him. Just trust him. God's going to do it. God, there's some vision. Some of you want to, I know in my heart, some of you want to step away from your nine to five and there's, God has put a business on the inside of you. You're going to have to trust him. You know my story. I stepped away from a nine to five. God said, step away. Start a church. That was the last thing I wanted to do. I was making six figures, doing well. God said, do it. I trusted him. And can't you tell I've not missed one meal? Matter of fact, we've had more kids since then, and we've not ever missed a meal. Glory to God. Matter of fact, we've prospered and increased. My, my salary is not the same as what it was, but the blessing is more than my salary. God is willing. But you're going to have to trust him. And so the man says to Jesus, my, my servant's paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus says, I will come and heal him. And then the man stops him and says, I am not worthy. 
I don't deserve your presence in my house. And we would think, come on, man, you got to feel a little more worthy. No, he even went, he went deeper than that. I don't deserve you to be in my home. I don't even deserve the time it takes for you to get to my home. But I trust you so much that all you have to do is speak a word and my servant will be healed. And then he says, I understand foul rank in order. I understand that if I say something, then the people underneath me have to do it. There's no option. There's no choice. There's no pushback. They're going to have to do what I say do. So when I say something, my 100 plus men under me have to do what I say. I know the power of authority. I know the power of a spoken word that when it comes down from rank and file to the, the generals and to the privates and to the lieutenants and captains, they have to do it because I said it. He says, Jesus, you're a man under authority. You're sent here by God. And if you say it, no devil in hell, no disease, no infirmity, no lack, no poverty, no doubt can stand in the way. When you speak that word, things must change because you are under authority of God most high and there's no other God that can stand against God most high. And he says, I understand. So you don't even have to come. All you got to do is speak the word. And so in Psalms 107 verse 20, Psalms 107 verse 20, I love this. It says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Glory to God. In the New Living Translation, it says he snatched them from the door of death. How did he do it? The word of God was sent forth and the word went and the word healed and snatched people out of their destruction. Isaiah 55 verse 11 Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Watch this. Return to void means my word will not be useless or the opposite is true. My word will always produce the results necessary. It will accomplish what I please. And so this man, this centurion understood that all Jesus has to do because he's a man under authority is speak the word. And if he speaks the word, everything that he's believing for will change. Now, now this is so powerful because this word authority, somebody shout authority. authority. Say it again, authority. authority. This word authority is what you and I possess. We possess authority. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, all of it. And then he tells the disciples to go into all of the world. That's when he delegated or transferred the authority from him to us. The reason why the earth is in the condition it's in right now it is not because this is God's will. 
It's because men and women like you and I have the authority to change and rearrange things, and we don't. That's why the earth is in the conditions it's in. I was talking to someone recently, they were talking about, I can't believe a loving God would have all these children dying of hunger. Is there any lack of food in the earth? No lack. I was talking to a, a restaurant owner. They throw pounds of food away. Uh, Zai told me, and if I get this number, I might mess this number up. She told me she found out at her school that they throw a ton of food away a month. I think that's what it was or something like that. That's how much food is being thrown away. So we got kids over here not eating, and we got food thrown away. How is that God's fault? I'm trying to figure that out. Like, how, how is, why is God getting blamed for that? Food going straight to the dumpster. The squirrels are fat at Zai's school. I've seen them. They don't move fast because they're eating all the food thrown away. People dying of hunger over here. Why can't we get the food to these people? It's humanity's fault. It's not God's fault. And we have the authority to do something about it. Now watch this. I've used this illustration, I think, a couple of weeks ago. If there was a state trooper, North Carolina state trooper, he puts on a uniform. That means he has the authority and the backing of the state of North Carolina. All the power is invested in him to do whatever to, to keep and maintain the law, to uphold the law, it's all invested in him. He doesn't have to have the strength to stop a speeding car. He doesn't, if he stands in the road and puts his hands out, he don't have the strength to stop that car from coming. That car's gonna run him over. But because he has the suit of the state of North Carolina and he stands in the middle of the road and he puts his hand out and he says, stop, guess what that car does? It stops. Why? Because of the authority that he possesses. He doesn't have the power, but the power, he has the backing of the power with the authority to stop the car. Another illustration, uh, many of you have Duke power or union power, depending on where you live. That's the power company that gives us our electricity. Jesus paid it all, so the power bill has been paid, glory to God, in my illustration. The power's running, but if I want the light to come on in the kitchen, I have to activate the light switch so that the power would turn on. I have to utilize my authority to turn on, I own that house, to turn, or even if I'm renting it, to turn on the light switch and the lights come on because the power has been paid by Jesus, glory to God, I've got to activate the power by releasing my authority, turning the switch on. Your authority is in your mouth. It's not in your finger. It's not in your hand. It's not in your foot. It's in your mouth. Even, let's take, let's take our ministry, for example. Natasha is my admin. She, she works with me. When she says to do something, she is operating out of the authority of Pastor Devon. So when y'all hear Tasha say, I would like this done and this done, you know she is carrying the authority of me. When she says it, it's coming from me, unless she's lying, but it's coming from me. 
No, she's not known to lie at all. It's coming from me, and you know that, okay, Pastor Devon wants this done because that she is in authority to make sure things get done the way I want them done, right? It's the same way you and I are. We have all of the power necessary. We have all of the backing of the angels, all the legions of them, and we have the Holy Spirit, all of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, not just a little bit, not just some of the Holy Spirit. We have all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily residing on the inside of us. We have all of his backing on the inside of us. We have the word of God and all we have to do to get things done in our circumstance is to release our authority by opening up our mouth. And when we open up our mouth, things are being changed and rearranged in the invisible realm first before you see it in the natural realm. This is why the attack against us has always been to close your mouth. This is why the attack against us from the enemy, he's been around a long time. If I can get them to say what they feel instead of saying what God said, then they won't release their authority. If I can get them to say, well, this ain't ever going to work out. This is never going to work out. It's never going to happen. I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't, I just don't see how. I don't see how, man, it's been, I've been waiting like five years for, I've been waiting 10 years. I've been waiting 20. I don't, don't, yeah, it's not going to happen. But did God tell you? Well, God, yeah, yeah, I mean, God told me, but it's not going to happen. Did you have a promise in scripture? I got promises, but just, it's just taking, what's taking so long? All of the authority in your mouth to release change in the atmosphere is residing on the inside of you, but if you don't release it, it's not going to happen. This man told Jesus, just speak the word. What if Jesus said, I ain't saying nothing. I don't know how that's going to work, guys. I need to be there to touch them. I mean, I, I, just, I, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. No, Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith by somebody saying, all I got to do is stand here and speak the word and things will happen. We all know this to be true. Sace and I went on a date and we, um, we had Zai watching Zage and Zage didn't want to go to bed. Okay, Zage said she wasn't going to bed. <clears throat> We were somewhere else, not nowhere, anywhere near the house. Zay said she won't go to bed. Zay called us. Zay said she's not going to bed. It's getting late. We need Zay in the bed. I said, put, put the phone on speakerphone. I said, Zay, get in that bed now. All of a sudden, I hear these feet. She runs upstairs and all that. And then and I called Zay back about 15 minutes. I said, where's Zay? Zay is in the bed. <laughs> I don't even have to be there. Am I telling the truth? All I've got to do is release my authority and things are being changed and rearranged. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't see her run upstairs. I didn't, I, did, I don't know for sure if she did. I had to call and check with Zai. But I know that when I said it, something happened. 
and things changed. It's the same way in your circumstances. Anytime you're down about something, and I know this may shock you, but I get down too. <laughs> and anytime you're down about something, and I'll sit there and I have a little private pity party. And I'm sitting like, why am I having a pity party when all of God's backing is residing on the inside of me? And I, if I want this situation to change, all I got to do is begin to open my mouth and begin to declare what I want to see, not what I already see. I've been to declare what I want to see change, not what's already happening. I begin to release my faith and declare what God says is going to happen and not what my circumstances say is happening. And when I do that, I release it and then I start feeling good about myself. Like things are working in the invisible realm. Things are happening underneath the surface. Things are changing and being rearranged. Things are turning for my favor. That's going to come to pass. I don't care if it takes 29 years. I will see the manifestation of what God has promised me. Who am I talking to in here? Amen. Somebody shout, that's me. That's me. Now look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 12. John chapter 14 and verse 12. Watch this. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is what Jesus is saying. He who believes in me, that means you have faith in me. The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my father. Look at verse 13. And whatever, somebody shout whatever. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Look at verse 14. If you ask anything, what does anything mean? Anything. anything. In my name, I will do it. Ooh, this is a powerful passage of scripture. I want to take a moment. We find in verse 12, he's saying, all you got to do is have faith in me. And if you have faith in me, anything you see me do, you can do. This is the whole purpose of why Jesus came, or one of the major reasons. Obviously, it was to redeem us. But one of the major reasons that he's recorded in the Gospels, because he's showing you that if Jesus can do it, now I know, I know this may scare you, but I need for you to believe the truth. If Jesus can do it, you can do it. The only thing you can't do is get on the cross and shed your blood and for somebody else and die on the cross and redeem them from the curse. You can't do that. Jesus did that in his full Godhead. But everything else he did, he did it as a human with the Holy Spirit. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? How many of you are human? How many of you have the Holy Spirit? Not everybody's human, but I have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, then what Jesus did or what I did, you can do it too. And if I can speak a word and something comes to pass, you can do it too. And that's what he told his disciples. You're going to actually do greater things than I did. Why? Because there's more of us. Jesus was just by himself doing all this. I mean, there's millions of us now who can do greater works than Jesus. And he said, you can do it too. And then in verse 13, put it on the screen if you don't mind, Jerry, verse 13. Thank you, sir. Whatever you ask in my name, 
That I will do. Let's pause. In my name is another form of authority. Is another form of delegated power. And authority simply means you make use of the power. I'm going to make use of the power given to me. Whatever you ask in my name, in my authority, in my stead, I will do. Let's look at verse 14. If you ask anything in my authority, in my stead, utilizing the power that I possess, I will do it. So what if you need a healing in your body? Can you ask God for it? Did he say he'll do it? What if you need finances? Can you ask God for it? Did he say he'll do it? What if you're struggling in your marriage? Can you ask God to recreate your marriage and bring it new and fresh? Can he do it? What if you ask God to save your children? He's already saved them, but have them come into the knowledge of Jesus and come home. Will he do it? What if you, what if your, your, your spouse is not coming to church and they just, they, they're, they don't, they just church hurt and they don't want nothing to do with the church. What if you ask him in his name? You think he'll do it? He'll do it. But the problem has been we have not consistently released our authority and been patient enough. And we're going to talk about patience probably next week. Faith and patience inherit the promises. Been patient enough to allow it to work so that when he does do it, hallelujah, we've already shouted about it. We've already praised him for it. When I went on this trip on the private plane, I said thank you to the man afterwards, but I already said thank you when he said, you want to come with me? Yes, I do. Thank you. I mean, I was already already thankful, praise God. Now, after he did it, and his, you know, we, I thank them again. But if God's credit has been good with you and, and his reliability and his dependency and his trustworthiness has been good with you, you can start saying thank you right now. Thank you, Lord, that I know what to do even when I don't know what to do. Thank you, Lord, that my spouse is, is, is following you even when they're not following you. Thank you, Lord, that but this healing is taking place in my back even though my back's in pain. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that influ- my influence is increasing and my impact is increasing for the glory of God even when it doesn't look like it. Thank you, Lord, that we have a new facility even when I hadn't seen any property yet. I'm thanking God for it right now. You can do the same. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Stand to your feet and shout, thank you, Lord. This is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.